Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. We are continuing today. You and I reading the book of Revelation together as partners in the gospel and uh, putting an overview out of just the basic uh, outline of the book. It's a blessed book. You know, in the very first chapter of Revelation, it tells us that we are blessed if we will read and study and meditate on and keep the words of the book of Revelation. And so I'm just praising the Lord that we have the opportunity to do this together. Now today, we're going to try to get chapters 8 and 9 read and overviewed together. So let's get right into the Word of God in Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Before I make comment on that, let me encourage you to get a hold of some studies <clears throat> on Bible prophecy in the book of Revelation on your own. Because in the time that I have to spend with you to get this word out there, in the time frame that I have to get it done, I cannot possibly even come close to digging deep into Revelation. There are several people that I like to study behind when it comes to Bible prophecy. I like Perry Stone. I love Brother Perry. Brother Perry, preaching dude, I'll tell you. Uh, I, I also enjoyed some of David Jeremiah's thoughts on prophecy. I like some of Greg Laurie's thoughts on prophecy. Dave Reagan, Hal Lindsey. One of the first books I ever read when I became a Christian was The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. Now it is outdated. It is. And some of the things we have grown through history, we have seen that you know some of the things that were thought was not the case. But still, it's very, very good as far as the general skeleton of the book of Revelation, skeleton outline of Bible prophecy. And there's much, much more <clears throat> to Bible prophecy than just the book of Revelation. I mean, there's, there's entire prophets of the Bible. Ezekiel tells us an awful lot about the end times. Daniel tells us. Zechariah, Zephaniah. There's just so much that you can get a hold of and learn. I also like st studying behind Jonathan Kahn. I like Gary Stearman at uh, Prophecy Watchers. Tom Horn. Just some fascinating material on the Nephilim and different things of that nature that we're not going to have time to get into in this series today. Perhaps one day, because one of my favorite areas of study, this is a personal thing, but uh, I love to study about the Nephilim. And one day I might put together a little mini-series mini type of thing on that subject. But just whatever you do, study the book of Revelation from trusted sources so that you can go deeper. John Hagee has some very good stuff also on end times Bible prophecy. And so I could name hundreds of them that would be okay for you to study, but avoid people who have, you know, kind of off the wall theologies and ideas that's just off the wall and off the beaten trail. Stay with reputable preachers and teachers of the gospel and rightly divide this book. So here in chapter 8, verse 1, silence. Uh, in heaven, this is the opening of the seventh seal. <clears throat> it's a period of silence for about a half an hour. And this is the seven seals resuming after the parenthetical seventh chapter of the book of Revelation. And <clears throat> this seal is a unique conclusion of all of the terrible things that happened during the first six seals. Nothing really occurs here visibly as far as being a tangible catastrophic event taking place. There is a silence in heaven about the space of a half an hour. So really, no fanciful interpretation for this is really needed. Uh, this silence is probably just as literal as the contents of the other seals were literal. The veracity of the word confirms that the angels will quit praising God, cherubim will cease praising God, and the redeemed who are there will also be silent for 30 minutes. The question may be asked, why the silence? 
the six terrible seals will have shaken this world so badly. The seven trumpets that immediately follow the seventh seal are going to be even more horrible with more terrible, frightful horror being poured out upon the whole world. That's what we're about to enter into. So picture this in your mind. The six seals were opened, seventh seal being the silence. Now, the, the trumpets are about to commence. But the six seals were so bad, the judgments were so horrible, the catastrophic events that took place were so devastating, that all of heaven fell silent for 30 minutes. You think of that. You go back, right, when we're done here today, you go back and you read uh, chapter 6 again as the four horsemen begin to ride across planet Earth. Incidentally, those horsemen ride throughout the entirety of the tribulation. The Antichrist. War. Famine, death and hell, riding rampant across planet Earth, energized by the spirit of Antichrist, energized by Satan. All of heaven falls silent. Because look at what happened through the six seals. And we know what's about to come now in the seven trumpets. Let me tell you something, for what it's worth, and this is a little bit off the subject, but not entirely. God loves humanity. Your Bible reads words such as these, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Neighbor friend of mine, oh, come to Jesus today. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus today. Don't wait another moment. Don't put it off another moment. Don't wait too late because there is coming an hour upon planet earth where God will begin to pour out His wrath on humanity that has blasphemed His holy name, that has thumbed their nose at Him, that has shaken its tiny fist in His face as if the Creator of the universe needed their permission to exist. God's wrath will be poured out immediately after the rapture. It is called the Great Tribulation. Give your heart to Jesus Christ now. And you can be spared ever seeing that Great Tribulation period. What a joy it would be if all you had to do was study about the Great Tribulation period. Friend, you don't want to experience it. So let's pick it up with Revelation chapter 8, verses 2 through 6. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. So look, look at that right there, folks. I done told you God keeps your prayers. God collects the prayers of His children. And they're going to be offered up to Him continually. Hallelujah! That's why I believe with all my heart, as I said in the last session, uh, I believe that myself and my family being saved is a product in part of my ancestors who prayed for their family to be saved. My fifth great grandfather I know did because I've read it. Uh, Thomas Paxton, Thomas Buffalo Paxton, what they called him, at Buffalo Fords there in Rockbridge County, Virginia. He was a ruling elder at a Presbyterian church at a time when the Presbyterians were on fire for God. And he prayed, and he, he earnestly, he, he, he agonized in the Spirit before God for his family to be saved. Hallelujah. How many times... Has the angels of God offered that up to the Father? Oh, shikalabaha. How many times? Well, I'll tell you how. How many times? Oh, glory to God, until Leonard came in. Until Joyce came in. Hallelujah. Until Lynn came in. Until Bob. Until Mary. Hallelujah. 
until Barb, hallelujah, who was related to my mother. You see, this thing branches out just like your family tree. It branches out like the branches of a tree and it goes on infinitesimal. There is a gospel witness in the earth today, folks. And it's there because our ancestors prayed. Hallelujah. And the biggest seed of all that was sown was when Jesus died on the cross. The seed was sown for all of humanity to come. Hallelujah. Uh, I don't know how I got off on that, but that blesses my soul. Blesses my soul, I'll tell you. Hallelujah. One day we're going to talk about that. The effect in the spirit world of the prayers of God's people. Look here. Revelation 8, 2 and through 6. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And the seven angels, which have the seven trumpets, prepared themselves to sound. This passage is a parenthetical explanation pertaining to a preparatory scene for the sounding of these seven trumpet judgments. There are seven angels with trumpets. The angels seem to be a special angel, a special kind of angel. I don't know. And these are literal trumpets, none of which will have anything to do with the rapture because that's already taken place. A trumpet will be sounded for the rapture according to 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, but this is in a different setting. Each of these trumpets will be blown one at a time in succession. With the blowing of each trumpet, is the announcing of the event that will take place on earth. The first trumpet will be sounded soon after the seventh seal, soon after the 30 minutes of silence. This is about halfway through the first three and one half years of the Great Tribulation. And the last trumpet of these trumpet judgments, now listen to that, the last trumpet of these trumpet judgments, not the last trump of God, but the last trumpet judgments, will be blown about the time the first three and one half years of Great Tribulation period have passed and we're entering into the last three and a half years. So we have seven seals, seven trumpets, which are for 14 consecutive events from the beginning of the Tribulation period to the middle of the Tribulation. I'll say that again. According to the Word of God, there are 14 consecutive events from the beginning of the tribulation to the midway point of the tribulation, signified by seals and trumpets. This scripture passage says, And another angel came, and many times the word angel will be used for a man since it means messenger. So when we read Revelation 2 and 3, to the angel of the church, it was most likely referring to the pastor of the church, to the messenger of the church. Here, uh, it, it will be used for angels in heaven. And when it says another angel came to the golden altar to minister, it is possible that this particular messenger is Christ in his priestly earthly minister as our high priest. Let me read that again. It is possible that the angel who offers these prayers is Jesus Christ in His pre present earthly ministry as our high priest. And so you can look at Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, Hebrews 6, 20, Hebrews 7, 24 through 28, and Hebrews 13 and verse 15. The censer is always mentioned in connection with the high priest. You can look at Leviticus 16 and 12 and Hebrews 9 and 4. After this ministry of Christ at the altar, the seven angels prepare to sound their trumpets. They blow their trumpets in turn. And it is not contemporaneous with the seals. The seals are done. Okay, The literalness of the events of the trumpeters are just as real as other judgments recorded in the history of Israel, the plagues of Egypt were literal. So were other judgments that came upon Israel. Look at Exodus 34.10, Deuteronomy 
and also verse 59. Deuteronomy 30, verses 1 through 10. Isaiah 11, 15 and 16. Micah 7, 13 through 15. Jeremiah 23, verses 7 and 8, just to name a few. But the point is, the events are literal. The events are not symbolic, they are literal. I want you to understand that. Unless, remember one of the first things we said in this series, give the meaning of the words a literal meaning unless it is obvious that it is symbolism being talked about. And so by the help and grace of the Lord, as we go through these things, uh, we can try to help point some of that out too. So the first trumpet, and we're going to be talking here about hail, fire, and blood. And these are literal. Okay? So in verse 7, it says this. Chapter 8, verse 7, book of Revelation. The first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth. Hail and fire. Can you, can you imagine fiery hail? Hail's ice, right? Fire melts ice. But here we have hail, fire, and blood cast upon the earth. And the third part, one-third, of the trees was burnt up, and all green grass was burnt up. And this first trumpet judgment is very similar, and just as literal, as the seventh Egyptian plague in Exodus 9, verses 22 through 26. The difference here is the addition of blood and the exception of animate life. This plague, this trumpet judgment, will not only affect vegetation. I mean, this, this one will only affect vegetation, whereas in Egypt it was a vegetation, men, and beast. So, we can see from this that right here, this first trumpet judgment affects the trees. And these are literal trees, just as in Revelation 7, 16, and 18, 8. During this time, agricultural process will be important possible. So here you're going to have trouble growing food. You, you have to carry this out. You have to think about these things. But when the, when the vegetation of the earth is struck by a trumpet judgment of God, men will not be able to grow food. Listen. Verse 8. The second trumpet is a burning mountain. So we have Hail, fire, and blood. And now we have a burning mountain. And the second angel sounded, as it were, a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea. And the third part of the sea became blood. So you got one third now. You got one third of the vegetation taken. Now you got a third part of the sea becoming blood. And the third part of creatures which were in the sea and had life died. And a third part of all ships of the ships were destroyed. This passage states that something like a great mountain burning with fire will be cast into the sea. In all probability, <clears throat> a large meteor ablaze with fire might be what this is referring to. A meteor slamming into planet Earth, taking out a third of the sea. It's a third of the sea red with blood. A third of the creatures in the sea dead. A third part of all ships destroyed. The area, this might very well could happen in the area of the Mediterranean since the events of the seals, the plagues and the trumpets and the vials are especially poured out upon the then known world, the Roman Empire, bordering upon the Mediterranean Sea. So that's possibly what it's talking about. Business on the sea will be paralyzed. And people who are alive at that time will begin to realize that these judgments are God. God is doing this. And this is literally going to happen. So that's the burning mountain or the, the asteroid or the meteorite is a literal happening. Let me pause right here and interject this before we continue reading chapter 8. You know, we live in a time... Well, first of all, we're living in the age of grace. And that's why y'all better come to Christ now. We live in a generation where it's 
nobody wants to, you know, everybody wants to hear about the God who is only love. But you know what? There is no such God that is only love. Not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is love in all of its fashions and forms. Absolutely. But He's also a God of righteousness and justice and judgment. And he has given man his plan. He has given man the plan of salvation. I love you. I sent my son. I want you to spend eternity with me, God would say. And God is saying. And he said, but if you reject it, then you send yourself to hell. And people don't want to think of God as pouring out his judgment upon a rebellious planet. But that's exactly what the book of Revelation declares to us is going to happen. God is love. And because He is love, He cannot accept unrighteousness in any shape, form, or fashion. So be careful how you live your life. Be careful. But you can't live a righteous life and you cannot live a holy life unless you are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And so God's offer of salvation should not be ignored by you today. But you should receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior because He died to pay for your sins. And then He will empower you. Once you're born again, He will empower you to live right. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Because one day, God is going to be judging planet Earth. So the third trumpet that is about to sound, let's read Revelation 8. Uh, chapter 10 and 11, and the third, or I'm sorry, Revelation 8, verses 10 and 11. And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp. And it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood. And the third part of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. Now, all I'm going to say about that is that this could indicate something nuclear taking place because the word wormwood translated is Chernobyl. Now that doesn't mean, that's one translation of the word that transliterates into wormwood, Chernobyl, same thing. That doesn't mean that the Chernobyl disaster was part of the Great Tribulation, because we know it wasn't. We're not in the Tribulation yet. But it could have been a foreshadowing of the panic and the fear and even the death that would grip when this third trumpet judgment sounds from heaven during the Great Tribulation. The waters will be bitter. This could also refer it could be something nuclear or it could be a meteor with gaseous vapors smashing again into the sea and the water absorbing the vapor. So th there's a couple of possibilities. The fourth trumpet. The fourth trumpet will affect the sun, the moon, and the stars. Let's read Revelation 8 verse 12. And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sea was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars. So as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. What takes place after the fourth trumpet is apparent. The events are similar to the happenings after the sixth seal, and comparable uh, to what will occur in the future when we get into the fifth vial judgment. The length of time of this darkness is not really known. It will probably not be very long because in the very next trumpet the sun is darkened again by the smoke from the abyss. These events are taking place in succession with each one being completed before the next one begins. The first four trumpets sounded are judgments that have to do with plagues affecting vegetation, the seas, the rivers, the planets, and humanity. These events will be difficult to describe and most terrifying to the people existing at that time. 
And our final verse for chapter 8, before we move into chapter 9, is an announcement. And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe. So here's the three woes. To the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. So this is a, a parenthetical explanation inserted to announce three woes which will come under the fifth, sixth, and seventh trumpets. So in other words, trumpet number five will be the first woe. Trumpet number six will be the second woe. And trumpet number seven will be the third woe as we come to the chapter, uh, to the ninth chapter of the book of Revelation. And I realize I'm, I'm going over this really, really fast. I'm not really dealing with current events. Um, I mean, again, there's a lot of great preachers and teachers who are out there that deal with current events relating to Bible prophecy. Uh, we, we like to listen to Perry Stone, Dave Reagan, uh, uh, Jonathan Kahn, several others that we like to listen to, John Hagee, and so there's a lot of material out there. What we are doing here is we are reading the book of Revelation together as partners in the gospel. And we are giving a basic overview of each chapter as we go through the book of Revelation. So in chapter 9 we have the seventh seal and the first six trumpets. And so I'm going to read beginning with verse 1, Revelation 9, 1 through 12, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. <clears throat> and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locust upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. It was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass or the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Remember last session I told you the 144,000 were protected? So here's one of those protections. These demon locusts coming from the bottomless pit to sting and torment humanity will not be able to touch the 144,000. Glory to God for His mighty power. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. And the shape of the locust were like unto the horses prepared unto battle. And on their head, now those are some big locusts. These are demonic locusts. These are demon spirits that come in the form of these demonic looking locust-like creatures from the abyss. They were, the shape was like unto horses prepared unto battle. And on their heads were as it were crowns like gold. And their faces were as the faces of men. And they had hair as the hair of women. And their teeth were as the teeth of lions. And they had breastplates as it were breastplates of iron and the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle in other words they are coming full force fury the demonic hordes you think of a time when demonic spirits literally taking on visible form there's demons in the atmosphere working every day right now. They're working against your mind. They're working against your faith. They're working in the hearts of men. But here, these are become visible. You think of that. You say, but Brother Paxton, that sounds like something out of sci-fi channel, some science fiction. No, this is the literal Word of God. And they had breastplates. 
as it were breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. And they had tails like unto scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. And their power was to hurt men five months. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. One woe is past, and behold, there come two more woes hereafter. So as this fifth angel sounds the trumpet, a star falls from heaven to the earth. This particular uh, is not a literal star. It's an intelligent being, actually an angel. There are places in the scriptures where the word star is used to speak of, of a great one. Today the term star is often applied to a, a great entertainer in our society. Satan's angels are referred to as stars in Revelation 12, verses 4 through 9. Only an intelligent being could be given a key and commanded to open the door of a pit. So you're not going to give a star a key. This, this, is, this is symbolic of a great angel. At the very moment that the fifth trumpet sounds, this angel will fall from heaven. Undoubtedly, this is the same one that will bind Satan at the beginning of the millennium in Revelation 20, verses 1 and 3. Therefore, we know it would not be one of Satan's angels. I want to tell you something right now. The devil's angels don't have authority, legal authority, in the earth. Do you realize that the devil cannot torment you unless you let him? Do you realize that you are totally victorious by the blood of Jesus Christ and when you speak the word of God and you rebuke the devil, he has to flee from you? Hallelujah. Satan's demons, Satan's fallen angels, do not have the authority to loose the angels that are bound in Tartarus. We're going to get to that. They do not have the authority to release the four angels bound in the Euphrates River, which we're going to get to that. When Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, His three days in the grave, He went and He took back the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He went as victor. He didn't go as sinner. He went as victor. And he took back the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and he rose from the dead, and he took those keys with him. God has the authority. God is the only one that has the authority to unleash the judgments of the book of Revelation. Okay? Obviously, God would not entrust a demonic angel or a fallen angel with a key to the bottomless pit where millions of demons are locked up. And that's what we're seeing here out of this abyss, the bottomless pit. There is a head leader demon over the, the millions of demons, billions of demons that are locked in the abusos, the, the abyss, the bottomless pit. And his name is Apollyon or Abaddon. I think Hebrew is Abaddon, and, and Greek is Apollyon, and that name means destruction or destroyer. These names are not used in reference to Satan or the Antichrist, but to an angel bound at this present time in the abyss. Okay? So Apollyon is not Satan. Abaddon is not Satan. Apollyon and Abaddon are one angel. That angel is the head angel or the leader angel of the demonic angels that are bound in the bottomless pit. Ab Abaddon and Apollyon are not the angel that God sends to earth to do the unlocking. Okay? So we're just trying to keep all this straight. Hallelujah. Look at Isaiah 16 verse 4. Jeremiah 4, verse 7, Jeremiah 6, 26, Daniel 8, 24 and 25, Daniel 9, 26, Daniel 11, 44, where the destroyer has no reference to Satan in that particular verses of Scripture. 
When the angel, the star, of Revelation 9-1 comes from heaven, the evil angel bound in the abyss will be loosed. He will take with him his demon locust and he'll torment men. The Greek word for locust is akris, A-K-R-I-S. And it's always translated such. It's always translated locust. Ordinary locusts were considered clean food, according to Leviticus 11.22, and have been eaten for centuries. And this was a principle of the diet of John the Baptist. But these locusts are from the abyss. <laughs> they are demon spirits. It calls them locusts. It's, it, it, to, to the writer's mind, it looked like a tris. It looked like locusts. And in reality, they are demon spirits loosed from the bottomless pit under the leadership of Apollyon, Abaddon. And they're not to hurt the grass of the earth, nor harm anyone who has the seal of God in their forehead. The 144,000 have that seal. Others will be tor tortured by these locusts, and they will desire to die, but death will escape them. The affliction that the humanity will be tormented with will be like that of a sting of a scorpion. It says that these angels will be like unto horses prepared for battle. Think of that. Their faces will look like the faces of men. They will have hair like women. Their teeth will be comparable to the teeth of lions. The breastplates that they will wear will be like iron and the sound of their wings will sound like chariots running to battle with their horses. Their tails will sting like those of a scorpion. The locust of this plague will have power to torment men for five months. When the abyss is opened, smoke like that of a great furnace will come out, causing the sun and the air to darken. These demon locusts will come forth out of that smoke upon the earth to cause great torment. These are not ordinary locusts because they will eat no vegetation. They have a king, and the description given them proves that they are not regular locusts in that they're not burned. They're not burned by the fire. They're not hurt by the smoke of the fire as ordinary locusts would be. <clears throat> they come out of the abyss from the infernal regions of the earth. They are inexterminable. You cannot kill them. You cannot exterminate them. They are feared by men because they are not mortal. They are not mortal. Now I wish that we could add four hours to our study right here and look at some of the possibilities. We, we could talk about this UFO phenomenon. We could talk about the Nephilim. We could talk about so many things right here. But again, let me use this opportunity to encourage you to do some research <clears throat> on the book of Revelation. Men like Perry Stone, John Hagee, David Jeremiah, Dave Reagan, Tom Horn, Chuck Missler. Just, there's so much out there that you can gain insight to what this will possibly be like. Praise God for the Word of God. How many of you love Jesus today? How many of you are glad that you are saved today? How many are glad that you're not going to see this? Hallelujah. You're going to go in the rapture. Praise God. We don't ever have to see these awful things that will come upon planet Earth. Indications are that these descriptions are literal. God has many times sent literal plagues and woes on people. Reference to grass, herbs, trees are also literal as are the smoke and the fire. These entities are intelligent, and that's obvious because they receive commands such as not to hurt the men who have the seal of God in their foreheads. The scorpions are clearly visible. They will men will try to run away from them. Men will seek to die in preference to having contact with these terrible beasts. Now you think of that. These things will be so fearsome and so fearful that men will prefer to die rather than have contact with them. I just, I just got to say this. It's just, just on my heart to say this right now. It is so stupid to not accept Jesus Christ today. It is so dumb to want to prefer to stay around and face these demonic beasts that will come upon the earth during the Great Tribulation. 
And then you will beg to die, but you won't be able to die. Because you will be appointed torment for at least five months. You think of this. Why not accept Christ, a God who loves you, who wants to take you to glory, who wants to give you peace in your life and cause you to live right and be happy and be redeemed by the blood. Why not receive Christ today? Men will try to flee from them. Death is preferable to contact with these beasts of, of hell, these demon spirits, for the sting of the scorpion is exceedingly painful. And that's natural scorpions. You know, if you get stung by a natural scorpion in the world today, it hurts. Can you imagine what demonic, locust-like scorpion stings are going to feel like? You can't even fathom it. Apparently it is so bad that men will cry out for death. The length of this plague will be five months long. This is the first of the three terrible, terrible woes that the angel announced in his loud voice flying through the heavens in chapter 8 verse 13. One woe is past, and behold, there come two more woes hereafter. So let's read now the second woe, which, which actually refers to an invasion from the east. And this is very interesting, and again, I'm just, I'm just giving you a skeleton overview, little outline of this. I want to encourage you to study these things out uh, in, a, in, a, in a platform that has more time than what we have here in one session to study them. And we may come back and do some ancillary topics on, on parts of this and just spend a whole time digging into some of it, the meat of it. And the sixth angel sounded. And I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar. This is Revelation 9, verses 13 through 21, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. Now I'm going to stop right there. And I'm going to put an interjection here. These angels... <clears throat> that are bound in the great river Euphrates. There are four of them. Alright? And I want you to... I heard Perry Stone on one of his telecasts recently talking about this very subject. And he said that he, he believes that... And I agree with him. I honestly do. Looking into it a little bit more. How many empires were there? And of course, major bondage to Israel... There was the Egyptian. The Egyptians were defeated by the Medes and the Persians. The Medes and the Persians were defeated by the Greeks, and the Greeks were defeated by the Romans. One, two, three, four. So it's quite possible, and, and Rome actually will be revived during the Great Tribulation. And I, let's say it this way, Rome, the Roman rule empire situation, because we don't know exactly how that's going to play out, will be revised, not revived, revised. It's going to be a little bit different. America could be a part of that Roman revision. And from every indication from the way this nation is apparently going, it's looking more probable that we will be a part of that Roman revision. I pray not. I hope not. God help us to always stand with Israel. God help us to come back to God. God help us to come back to the cross. Back to the Bible. Back to Jesus Christ in this nation of America. God help us that we come out on God's side of things. This nation of America was founded on Christian values and principles of the Judeo-Christian concepts found in the Word of Almighty God. We are a Christian nation, and I don't care what any politician says or tries to tell you, they are lying to you if they say we are not. This nation was founded and built by Christians, and God help us to get back to our heritage. 
hallelujah to the Lamb. All these people who are clamoring about fundamental change, they do not appreciate our heritage. They don't want our heritage. That's why they want to tear these statues down because they don't want heritage. They want to call it. They want to lie to you and tell you it's hate. It's not hate. It's history. And there's a difference. We should learn from the mistakes of history because I'll tell you, you can tear anything down you want to tear down. It ain't going to change the past, honey. This is a Christian nation. This, this was founded on Christian principles. So the, the four angels which are bound in the great river could quite possibly be the principalities that ruled over Babylon. Egypt was the first one, but they're, they're not counted for a particular reason. And Brother Perry would have to, you'd have to listen to his teaching on that, okay? So Babylon was the first. They were defeated by the Medes and the Persians, and Medes and Persians had a, a principality over them too. A principality is over every empire. A principality spirit is assigned by the enemy, by Satan, to every single nation on the face of this earth to do war against the righteous that are living in that nation. So there's a principality over America right now today. I believe one of them, one of, one of the principalities over America today would be pharmakeia, pharmakia, drugs. And that started a long time ago. And there are others that are assigned to this nation to try to destroy America. Spirits of, of uh, perversion. Spirits of just outright perversion assigned to destroy America. Spirits of murder designed, assigned to to destroy America, and so on and so forth. And this will be predominant in the Great Tribulation. So every nation has a principality spirit. So the, the four that are bound in the river Euphrates were past empires that persecuted or held in bondage God's people. And these four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year, for to slay the third part of men. And the number of the army of the horsemen were two hundred thousand thousand. And I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision, and them that sat on them having breastplates of fire and jacinth and brimstone, and the heads of horses were as the heads of lions. And out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three was the third part of men killed. So 33.33333% of all mankind will be killed by these demon horsemen. These angels that are loosed from the river Euphrates. Now we're going to come, we're going to actually see another picture of this a little bit later on in our study of the book of Revelation. And it, it'll give much more detail than what we're going in here. By these three were the third part of men killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails were like unto serpents and had heads. And with them they do hurt. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold, silver, brass, and stone, and of wood, which can neither see, nor hear, nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. Now I want to close out with this part of the teaching here today and look at this just a little bit <clears throat> as this angel sounds the sixth trumpet which is the second woe command is given to loose the four angels which are bound in the great river euphrates and these would have been fallen angels because good ones are never bound okay god's angels are are free cre created beings and after the plague of demon locust is finished now listen to this 200 million demon 
horsemen will be loosed out of the abyss commanded by those four fallen angels. They will go in the four directions of the earth, north, south, east, and west, to slay the third part of men. There's going to literally be a massive slaughter of human beings. You think of it. And ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you, that's exactly what the devil wants to do to you. Scripture says, Jesus said it in St. John 10 and 10, the thief, the devil, comes not except for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Satan wants to destroy you. He hates your insides. He can promise you a fun time, a big time. He can promise you this and promise you that. But at the end of the day, he will drag your miserable soul to hell if you are not washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus, on the other hand, said this. He said, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So Jesus wants to teach you how to really live. Hallelujah. You don't need Cuddy Sark and Jack Daniels and Budweiser to really live. Come on, somebody. You don't need the needle in the vein, the pills, the pop. You don't need any of that to live. You don't need, uh, you know, you don't need illicit sex to, to really live. You don't need perversion to live. Hallelujah. You live through Jesus Christ. And as you live for Jesus Christ, and not for self, but for Jesus Christ, then you escape the demonic horror and torture that will come upon planet Earth. Oh, come to Jesus today. Well, hey, we've come to that a lot in this study on Revelation, haven't we? Just come to Jesus today. Just give your heart to Jesus today. Just, just be washed in the blood of the Lamb today and get your sins forgiven and go live right in the power of the Holy Spirit. Do it today. Hallelujah. Do it right now. Don't put it off. Don't procrastinate this because the end will come. And it will come upon you swiftly as a thief in the night. And if you aren't ready, you're going to be plunged into the greatest hell on earth that this planet has ever known called the Great tribulation period the river Euphrates is connected with this judgment but we don't know if this judgment is going to be centered basically in the Mediterranean area the Euphrates River or if it will be more extensive I personally believe that the, the ground zero point for the, for the judgments are the Middle East but I also believe it will affect the entire world greatly so and I don't believe that the other continents of the earth are necessarily going to be exempt from catastrophic events. I think every place in the world will be experiencing some form of catastrophe during the Great Tribulation. And I know it's horrible. To, I, was, you know, I don't preach prophecy very much, folks. I really don't. I would much rather preach to you faith and healing and prosperity and blessing and glory I would much rather preach practical Christian living to you, in a sense. But these things need to be looked at. We need to understand all of the Bible, not just parts of the Bible. I, you know, I usually tell people that, <clears throat> who I actually consider that they study prophecy too much. I, I have to tell them, you know, all of the Bible is important, you know. You need to study faith now too, darling. You need to study healing a little bit. <laughs> you need to study how to walk in forgiveness and walk in the love of God. Amen. So you don't want to study Bible prophecy all the time, but you want to study it sometimes. You don't want to make fun of prophecy. There's, there's people out there right now, preachers, that would make fun of what I'm preaching to you here about demon locust and demon horsemen. And they would scoff and they would laugh. But it's not funny, mister. You don't want to be unbalanced in any subject. And you want to be well-rounded in all subjects. And it is possible. Pray and ask the Lord for it. And He will give you the desire of your heart to learn the Word of God. All of its subjects. Hallelujah. Probably during this time, think of this. At today's figures, 
probably 300 million to 400 million people will die during Revelation 9, 13 through 21. And these are real, literal, literal, indestructible demon creatures. Their activities are horrible. They are hellish. Hallelujah. In the previous section we looked at, there were demon locusts that only tormented men. And, but these demon horsemen following them will kill men. There's a, that's the difference between the two woes. First comes the torment, then comes the death. And that is Satan's game plan for every human being on the face of the earth. God don't want that. Jesus don't want that. That is Satan's game plan. See, when God... Part of a judgment is just simply God removing His hand, right? So when God removes His hand, Satan takes that as his excuse to go out there and just wreak havoc. But this is what he wants to do in our lives today. He wants to kill us and hurt us in every way he can. I should have said it this way. He wants to hurt us and then kill us in every way he can. That's why we cry out for the blood of Jesus. And we pray to be washed in the blood. And we pray and we plead the blood over our lives today. You can have that same confidence today. You can know for sure that you will not be here during these judgments if you will receive Jesus Christ as your Savior today. 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 There's a lot of theories concerning this 200 million horsemen. Some think it will be armies that overran Europe in past centuries. Others say it will be it will be the 200 million under the Antichrist at Armageddon. Uh, many think that these are Chinese, but there's no special indication uh, in the scripture at this point to that effect. However, you can look this up through people who have studied <clears throat> extensively uh, the development of nations. Henry Morris was one, and you can get other ideas as to what this is and what this entails. Uh, we, we don't want to leave the plain description given in the scripture. No human horseman has ever looked like these creatures. And since these are literal events that are taking place, these descriptions should be taken literally. If they are taken literally, then they could not be regular human beings. So it wouldn't be any kind of a human army at this point. Okay? What we do have described is har very horrible, it's very terrible, and it's a thing that's coming on the earth during the period of the Great Tribulation after the Lord Jesus Christ is raptured, after the church is gone. So I want to close out by giving you that encouragement today. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you are washed in His blood, if your sins are forgiven and you're living for Him and on your way to heaven, you're not going to see these horrible, terrible judgments of the Great Tribulation period. And if you don't know the Lord today, I want to tell you, God loves you so much that He sent His only begotten Son to die for you on a cross. And if you confess to Him that you are a sinner and ask Him to forgive your sins and to come and live in your heart, He will do that. And you too will be saved and washed in the blood and then live for Jesus. Don't live for your own desires. Live for Jesus. And you too can miss these horrible, horrible events. So it's great to be back again with my friends and partners of this ministry who give every month to help support this outreach as we are once again, we have resumed our reading of the book of Revelation together. And by the time that these make it to the Old Time Power podcast, you are going to be able to read the book consecutively. I mean, you could sit down and listen to two or three segments a day if you wanted to. Or just do one a day. Uh, and, and I don't know how many there will end up being. We've doubled up on chapters a couple of times now. But at the time of this taping, Revelation chapter 1 overview is already up on the Old Time Power. And so by all means, they are free to download. Tell your friends about the podcast. You can get to it at Pastor Len Paxton, all lowercase, dot podbean all lowercase dot com 
and you can uh, download any of the sermons and teachings that are on that podcast absolutely free. Hallelujah. If you would like these teachings on CD, then we just ask, uh, <clears throat> I mean, we, we would send you everyone in the series on Revelation uh, for a donation of $35 or more uh, to this ministry. And so you can go to www.actsacts2618.com. For $35 or more, we will send you all of this overview. That's all it is. This is not an in-depth study. This is an overview, and this is me and my partners reading the book of Revelation together so that we can partake of that blessing that is promised in Revelation chapter 1 for those who read, study, meditate, and keep the book of Revelation. And we love that so much. We want to be blessed by God And we want to have a spirit that is open to hear God when he speaks so that he can warn us if necessary in the days that we're living in and he can instruct us in his ways. Praise God. And um, go to the podcast, hear these again, listen to them. Uh, This is for you, our partners. We, We love you. And anybody can listen to it. You don't have to be a partner of the ministry once we put it on the podcast. So you go to the podcast, you listen, and you you study the book of Revelation and Bible prophecy from other books as well, Daniel or Isaiah, uh, uh, Ezekiel, you know, Zechariah. You study from other trusted, reputable teachers. Don't. There's a lot of stuff on YouTube that, quite frankly, is crazy, to be honest with you. But there's a lot of the good ones are on there too. And I try to name some every so often. I think I've already done that in this particular segment. But we like to study under Perry Stone, Hal Lindsey, John Hagee, David Jeremiah, uh, Greg Laurie, uh, uh, Jack Van Impey. Uh, there's, there's many that are reputable. We may not always agree on every single issue, but that's okay. That's healthy. Because when we don't agree, we, we think, we study we look it up, we learn, and we formate our, our own belief. And we all get along together because of the blood of Jesus Christ, and we walk in the love of Christ to one another, irrespective of differing uh, opinions that we may have. And so I thank you for, for tuning in today. On our next segment, we will be reading Revelation chapter 10. We'll be looking at that mighty angel. And until then... This is evangelist Len Paxton saying, go with God, and he will go with you. Yes, he will. Bless you.